Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. It's 12.32 a.m. in the Ebell of Los Angeles, and you're listening to Night Call. And welcome back to Night Call, a call-in show for our dystopian reality. I am Tess Lynch in Los Angeles, and with me are... Emily Yoshida and... Molly Lambert. Guys, welcome back. It is still plastic surgery April, so today we will be talking about the cosmetic surgery black comedy Death Becomes Her with special guests Jamie Loftus and Caitlin Durante from the Bechdel cast, as well as taking some questions from listeners. Can't wait. It's a great conversation. Spoiler alert, we already had it. <laughs> um, everything's topsy-turvy <laughs> how's Should everybody's we... plastic surgery april going pretty good i know <laughs> it's not spring break march anymore but did anyone read the story about how gwyneth paltrow got fired from her first job at a toy store because she went on spring break no, no. oh my god do tell it's just amazing because there's a bunch of magazines coming out that were finished before COVID happened. So they all have a disclaimer that's like, this story was conducted before the pandemic. But they are just like for press tours that aren't happening anymore, like Gal Gadot, Lady Gaga. So there's a Gwyneth Paltrow one that the header is Gwyneth Paltrow accepts your apology. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's super on brand, including that she was like, "Well, I have to go on spring break." I mean, and that's talking classic, about like rich person who has a job in quotes, <laughs> like, <laughs> and she talked about how she could get into the expensive bars because she was tall. 
but not the like college bars because she was too she was too upscale they just didn't think she could hang (laughs) (laughs) oh god Uh, i think maybe because the fancy places don't care if teenagers come in yeah so we're gonna take a bunch of calls we actually have gotten a lot of night calls and emails from uh from y'all so far so let's keep them coming yeah, keep them coming. We love them. So perhaps we should take this first call from a listener about Simi and Hayes. Hi, this is Emily. Um, I listened to your podcast about plastic surgery and like immediately, I'm fascinated by it too, and immediately Simi and Hayes came to mind. They're those twin DJ girls that hang out with all the Kardashian girls and the Calabasas crew. And um, they basically changed their entire appearance. They're super wealthy. And I think their parents paid for them to get a new face when they were like 16. It's pretty gnarly. If you if you Google their before, CB and Hayes before, you'll be floored. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. So I had never heard of CB and Hayes before this. Had you guys? No. Nope. I had because I follow all those celeb plastic surgery blogs, which also co- cover influencers, micro celebs. So I only knew about them from that. But why don't we explain who they are? Uh, why don't you explain who they are? <laughs> you're the, you're the Simi and Hayes okay. expert over okay. here. <laughs> They're twins and okay. they got matching plastic surgery. And apparently, and they used to be like sort of cute Nicole Kidman esque. Uh, beauties, and now they look like everybody else, but also Dakota Johnson. Huh. Kind of. what I think. But they had, like, big, frizzy red hair, like yours truly, and now they have, like, sleek brown hair, but they also just have sort of different faces, uh, wear a lot of highlighter. They, I guess the reason there's so many before photos of them is they're rich, and their mom took them to art auctions or something, and that's... They're where also all the before photos are from. They're also DJs. I should point this out. Okay. I don't think that that's that's not why they're rich, but they are DJs. Um, so there are lots of pictures of them, kind of like just sitting or like standing or posing by their DJ booths at like scenery parties. Um, since they've had a bunch of plastic surgery, I preferred them before. FYI, they are not, twin influencers. Influencers. They look great. They have a great, they had a great look earlier, I thought. They did. Um, So, other twin influencers that I think of when this idea comes up are obviously the Olsen twins. Sure. But also the Claremont twins who were on Bad Girls Club. And then Tess and I once saw them doing a photo shoot off Melrose when we were recording Night Call. Because I like fanned out. I freaked out. You freaked out. (laughs) I had no idea. I was like, Molly's just obsessed with like, she sees twins. It's notable to her. It's like, no, they're special twins. I was like, they are famous on the internet. Um, (laughs) And also, yeah, famous for being these twins who sort of got matching plastic surgery to each other that's what's so interesting about it i guess you kind of have to or else it's very obvious what's what you've done like you have to be in a pact with somebody this is a a common thing and also weird because i am very addicted recently to watching 90 day fiance pillow talk episodes um which i love so much but there there's a twin on 90 day fiance and she and her her sister have like different slightly different plastic surgery like they've both done a lot but it's different and it's so transfixing because you're like 
she she opted not to do that and like she decided to do that and you wonder like did they get the plastic surgery and then the the neck you know the younger sister or whatever will see her sister and be like oh i'm not getting that done it looks terrible on her i'll do something else it's just such a like psychological horror movie playing out before yeah. your eyes a twin is so weird i imagine yeah. just for there to be another person who looks like you this isn't yeah. plastic surgery but i don't know if you guys have watched the whitmer thomas special on hbo i really recommend it it's super good uh it's like a half stand-up show half documentary about his life involving reconciling with his aunt he's estranged from who is his mo- his dead mom's twin sister and his oh, dead mom and his aunt had a band together a hair metal band in florida called sin twister <laughs> <laughs> and there's footage of it in the show but it's also just this moment where he's like i have to go see my aunt who also like looks just like my mom that's got to be so weird i would yeah. never have even thought of something like that it's a really good it's it's really good. It's not even just a stand-up special. It's just like a really good thing. And yeah. I recommend it. Huh. Check yeah. it out. Because like, uh, weirdly, like being a twin, like being an identical twin feels like a much more uncanny thing than, you know, I mean, like Celeb Face, which we mentioned on last week's episode, often has these things where it's just like, look at these people who basically look the same now. Like everybody's gotten this matching face. And like, what even is it? having. Even having a sibling, I'm just going to say, for all my only children uh, co-hosts, uh-huh. it is weird to be like, oh, here's a different blend of my parents' faces. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, but also, people thought my brother and I were twins a lot when we were kids because we were both little gingers. Very, yeah. You just uh, have, like, the exact same coloring yeah. as each other. Like, yeah. I, my and, kids, too, they have the exact same color hair and, like, the same complexion. And they, I mean, you can tell that they're related. They don't look like twins. Um, but I always wonder what it would be like to have like a, a sibling who looked a lot like me. I would hate it. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's unnerving. But I do think if I was going to get work done, I would want to get it done with my twin. <laughs> in this very hypothetical, this double well, hypo- hypothetical you, situation. What are your guys' feelings about the Olsen twins? I mean... I know that they obviously have gotten stuff done, like work done, if you're talking about the work side of it, but like, I, I, I don't think that they've gone to the weird place with it yet. Like, they still basically look recognizable to me. I I, I respect felt- their privacy. That's that's what I'll say. They can do whatever <laughs> they want. I kind of respect that they've opted out of being like tabloid people. Well, I feel like it must also be so weird to be so famous in a brand that your face is literally on products, you know, as a child. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and I can Ugh. see also just as a psychological device wanting to distance yourself from the way you looked as an eight year old, especially if you're a person who just looks like you always look like yeah. they do. However, ever since somebody pointed out that they probably allegedly, allegedly could have had buccal fat uh, removal, which is a thing I just learned about, which is where they like suck fat out of your cheeks to There's give you like pocket, a, give right? you a cheekbone, give you like a high fashion cheekbone. You don't think that's just like I think a diet and I think smoking 10,000 cigarettes a, a day? It's a smoking face. Yeah. It's, it's smoking face more than anything else. I think the the buccal fat removal is like very popular among Asian people <laughs> because like Asian people tend to have a rounder face and tend to have more there speaking for myself and some other people. Okay, but like 
speaking for the whole round face crew here on yeah. the pod, don't you think that that's like a good thing to have a roundy face that well, yeah. just makes you look younger? It yeah. does, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, to- again, like, totally depends on what you're going for. But I do yeah. think in their case, they're, like, they're such obvious chain smokers and, like, I mean, that's the one documented thing you can say for sure. And I think that that kind of sunken cheekbone look as like both being skinny and and the smoking thing. I think that really contributes. But I kind of love them for not giving a shit about like what anyone thinks of them anymore. I love that. I love that they smoke millions of cigarettes and like clear (laughs) glower at anyone who's like, you know, taking a picture of them. I think they totally earned that right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I both never had any affection for them as a brand because I feel like we were slightly too old to get like the Mary Kate and Ashley sure. uh, yeah. videos. You know, I I knew them from Full House. Yeah, uh, as one person, Michelle Tanner. But I I think any child actors who like come out of the child acting uh, conveyor belt and decide to never do anything again, that's fine with me. Yeah. Well, also like it's such a choice for them to you know, continue to have careers that are semi-public facing, but to really do it in an intentional way where it's like also, you know, like the row is so expensive. Like nobody, like it's not like Juicy Couture or something where like influencers can afford it or kids in the suburbs can afford it. It's like so far removed from just like what the average person comes in contact with that it's sort of like opting out of being a household name in a way Mm -hmm. and really like setting yourself like but it's also it made them a household name in vogue which was also a very (laughs) weird move to me but i understand it i guess they were just like we're rich people let's have a fashion line well if you're a vogue fixture i think you probably get treated better than if you're like a people fixture or a weekly fixture i mean it's all fucked up and bad but like i think if 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 i had to choose if i was in their position i would rather be the kind of person who's like you know just you know coddled by vogue so that they can get access to your clothes or whatever i also think that if you're a vogue kind of celebrity you actually ironically get more privacy than if you're Mm -hmm. you know because when you're like mid-level you have to there's like a symbiotic relationship whereas when you ascend to the like fancy rich person level of celebrity you can just shut everybody out yeah i interviewed hot jughead uh who's a, a twin Cole Sprouse and Dylan Sprouse were like the yeah. boy Olsen twins. And they also did a smart kind of like, like Cole Sprouse is a, photo- a fashion photographer, you know? Yeah. So he's totally on the Vogue thing. Yeah. And then Dylan Sprouse started a meadery in Brooklyn where he makes mead. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there like, don't you have to be like 60 years old at least to make mead? Isn't no, there that's the whole thing. He's like, <laughs> I'm bringing, he, he like dates a supermodel and it's like, I'm, I'm bringing back the ancient art of, of mead making. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, um, speaking of uh, choosing what kind of fancy are going to be, let's take a night email. Um, this night email comes to us from Patrick, who writes a comment Emily, that's me, made on this week's pod about quarantine being a great time to have plastic surgery procedures done, reminded me of this story from a few weeks ago in the Houston Chronicle about how Houston's wealthy are handling social distancing. Topics covered include expanded use of private jets, hiring newly available high-profile chefs for private dinners with friends, and opting for plastic surgery. As the article says, social distancing is, after all, the perfect opportunity to recover cover inconspicuously. 
This article is disturbing for a lot of reasons, and I'm still surprised it didn't go viral. So those of us fortunate enough to stay home could collectively mock it. It was originally published on March 18th. So I imagine that part of the reason was that we didn't yet know how bad the situation was going to get, especially for the most vulnerable. I also think it doesn't help that Houston doesn't exactly have a ton of writer types with big national social media reaches with which to share something like this. Maybe y'all can start something retroactively. So this is about the Real Housewives of Houston. Um, Yeah, allow me to say, we'll talk about Death Becomes Her later and Beverly Hills plastic surgery culture. But man, Texas plastic surgery culture... That's the scariest, scariest to me. So I have to say that um, as not a fan of plastic surgery, even despite this, I have had a lot of conversations with people whose um, like parents and and older sisters and people who are a little bit older have traveled to the South specifically because they claim the plastic surgery looks better and more natural than Los Angeles plastic surgery and New York plastic surgery. Yes. And I don't know what it is. I mean, first of all, just being in the South, you have more humidity. (laughs) You know, I'm just like, (laughs) you're just going to look better if you live in a place like Houston. Um, But yeah, it's I think that they have like a slightly different aesthetic. And maybe because we're so used to the L.A. plastic surgery face or the New York plastic surgery face, it's harder to identify right off the bat, unless it's something that's so that would have been so exaggerated anyway. I actually think if I had to say as a as a as a regular user, or real self, I would say that New York has the most natural work on the whole, really? but nobody wants to go to New York right now, so thought, maybe it's uh, out of the running. I thought Korea was the the international capital of, of like subtle plastic surgery. I would say I that's know. the international capital, but yeah. let's talk about the national capitals, right? Growing up in New York, I saw a lot of really terrible plastic surgery, but that was a long time ago, right. so that also yeah. could have been that. I don't know. I mean, I've seen so many places where it's like, it, like in places in New York where it's like you can opt for different like lips, for example, and there's like the New York lip versus the LA lip, and the LA lip is the one that looks insane, like a an the LA lip is the is the Simpsons lip, yeah, where it's a yeah. large upper Some lip. Some of us might respect the LA lip for just you know putting it out there. Oh sure, no, <laughs> but again, these are choices. These are choices. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I wouldn't think I would. I mean, I I don't know. I watched a little bit of. What they had a sh- the short lived uh, Dallas Housewives, did they not? Oh, it's still going. Oh, it's still the best, going. The the one who was like the incredible villain just left because she was very racist on the last season, and she like left to save her pride. The Dallas Housewives is incredible. They all get all the stuff done for yeah. sure. That's where I learned the phrase "mommy makeover." Oh yeah, well, yeah. Gotta know about a mommy makeover. <laughs> Um, like what like you're you get your hair done (laughs) (laughs) well the Uh, one thing that kind of jumped out to me about this article was the private jet thing because there was this story that came out recently about um i believe it was goldman sachs purchasing a private jet or multiple private jets like in the middle of this like as recently as like a week or two ago and that was very and I, and I was thinking, I was like, how how tacky, obviously, like, like somebody was going to find out about this, like the shamelessness with which you would do this. But I'm sure that somebody justified it to themselves as like, oh, no, this is how we're going to continue to be productive and do social distancing. We just have to like fly private, which is just so like, like 
completely, you know, at that point you're, you're in another stratosphere of, of toxic wealth. But, um, yeah, I fully believe that some people are, are like forcing people to stay on at their mansions, uh, for domestic labor. Oh, totally. But I also, there was an LA times article about people firing their whole staff. Yeah. Um, which was also obviously super fucked up. Well, the whole like staff of the Chateau got fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I know is... all these things where people get fired and then they're like, here's a GoFundMe if you want to help. It's like, yeah. the person who fired them should not be pushing a GoFundMe for your yeah. place. No, it feels, I mean, the thing that's kind of crazy to me is that like if you're a wealthy person, especially living in, in Houston or somewhere in the middle of the country where, you know, there's generally more space than a, a more classically urban setting like in New York or something uh like you're good you're good like you don't need to (laughs) you're at low risk I feel like but but people taking all these extravagant measures to to stay socially distant feels I would say also the Dallas housewives are the most Stepford wives of any of the real housewives they are it's different than the other franchises because like in all the other franchises it's like they want to be married but they also want to have careers and on dallas it's like a lot of their husbands don't want them to have careers you know just openly so they're much more betty drapery and in that sense the sort of constant self-care feels like this other kind of sad like gotta fill my days with right just buffing myself to a sheen yeah because that's their job is to look Look good for your husband. That's why it's surprising to me that that it's considered a better place to get work done because in that way it feels more dated. Like that. Yeah. Feels, well, the whole thing yeah. feels dated. Yeah. It also feels like eighties, like a very eighties kind of wealth. Yeah. This was this was described as like the aesthetic. I mean, I think I'm sure cost also comes into play. Um, even with travel, it's probably depending on what you have want to have done. Like you can probably get a better deal. Um, but I think it's it's just. You know, the idea of uh, like a different aesthetic and something that's not as common where you are. You can market it to people in those other cities by being like, oh, they're doing something different over there that you can't get here. Or just like, you know, that they have like a lighter touch or something. Mm -hmm. Because it's true that like regionally there are trends that you probably notice if you're like back when we used to be out and about <laughs> as oh, opposed to then. just looking at the the grid of the screen right um, well, I, I remember when the brazilian butt lift first became a thing that was the story was that it was like rich people flying to south america mm-hmm. to get these procedures that are like state of the art you know just yeah. got invented so i also think what you see in big cities is like the cumulative effect of many generations of plastic surgery right yeah 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 the people that have the sort of most messed with faces, you can tell that it's like, because it, because it, it is like, as we'll talk about on Death Becomes Her, it becomes about maintenance. Yeah. 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 You just broke my brain because I had never really thought about what it would feel like to sit on butt injections. And then I started trying to imagine it. And now I've like lost my bones. I can't. <laughs> I feel so It's like a whoopee cushion that never deflates. Do you think that your nerves... I mean, like, can you even feel like how do your nerves react to something like that? 
I, 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 I wish I I'd the, never thought of it. I am the most, uh, you know, I, as we've said on this podcast, like I have a pretty okay attitude about this stuff, but the butt stuff really squeens me out. Like I, yeah. why, why would it, why more than breasts? Cause you me, sit on like, it. You sit, you, you sit put your whole it. weight but on to it. To me, it's the same thing. Like the idea. You don't sit on your breasts. No, Do but, you? no, but you, it, but it's the same idea of like putting something on that then you're like, you're trading nerve sensation for, yeah, for the, like a visual the, value. The boobs don't, don't, don't bother me as much. And I guess maybe because it's more normalized even now. Uh, but the, yeah, sitting on your butt, it's just, I don't know. Like that, that feels very uncomfortable to me. Just imagine your butt falling asleep. Okay. Okay. Now but I'm why, ready to get my Brazilian like- butt lift. <laughs> <laughs> What if it felt like lumpy or strange? Like, I think with with breast implants, I actually did for a while get hung up on the idea of like, can you not sleep on your stomach because you're like smushing? You know, does it just feel so uncomfortable? Definitely when you're healing. But then afterwards, does it just feel bad? But then I was like, man, I sit all the time. I'm never not sitting. Like, What if it was super uncomfortable, but I just like didn't know. And then I got the surgery. Yeah. Yeah. What if it made it more comfortable and it was like you were sitting in a luxurious. (laughs) Do you uh, think? I'm curious. (laughs) I mean, I, I have considered that as somebody with very little going for me down there. (laughs) Well, I'd like to great. Let's open it up. If you know what it feels, if you've had butt implants or know someone who does, how does it feel to sit on implants? I'm so curious. Two four zero four six night nightcallpodcast at gmail.com Please make you as anonymous as you wish to be. We're very curious, though. You can just email me directly and tell me (laughs) (laughs) because I I now can't let go of this thought but yeah (laughs) yeah I don't think it's to me it's the same as any other procedure I feel like people single out the butt injections as going too far but it's like to me that makes the most sense like who doesn't want to have like a big nice butt you know it's not it's not about like is it worth it or not I for our newsletter this month I wrote about um empty nose syndrome you know which is when you have your when you you can either have it's like your turbinates in your nose removed because you have horrible congestion or you can have like a deviated septum fixed and you just get this awful side effect which is that it feels you're you feel like you're suffocating or then on reddit on a message board of people who have this or somewhere like that someone said it just feels like rushing cold wind in there like there's (laughs) nothing in there and i it freaked me out so much that it's so it's not really about like is the achieved result worth the procedure but it's like what unforeseen side effects happen because of the procedure that make it so physically uncomfortable to live with what you've done even if from the outside you can't tell that there's any discomfort at all i'm gonna say also 90s reality tv and recent more recently vanderpump rules there's a lot of reality shows that involve plastic surgery where they do show you somebody in just like absolute hell during the recovery yeah (laughs) totally i think the recovery Uh, for the butt lift is is one of the long longest and gnarliest um but facelifts too oh my god facelifts Ugh. where they take it off and put it back on i can't wait to talk about face off with you guys <laughs> yeah. i feel like i'm less afraid of having like a completely changed face to look at than of like having all that time to think about it right mm. and checking it up and checking as you heal and like as you start to see what your face is going to look like I mean, this is kind of what I had when I was a kid. When I was like, oh, is that just how it's going to settle? Like, it was very weird. Um, yeah. 
it's fun to feel alienated from your physical appearance. <laughs> it's an adventure. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Jamie Loftus and Caitlin Durani of the Bechdel sure. cast to talk about Death Becomes Her. So stick around. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hello, and welcome back to Night Call. We are joined right now by the co-hosts of the Bechdel cast, one of our favorite podcasts. Please welcome Jamie Loftus and Caitlin Durante. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. It's an honor. It's a privilege. We have attempted the most uh, unwieldy uh, (laughs) COVID-era podcast by trying to get five people on a podcast over Zoom at the same time. So everybody should be really proud of us right now. A really heroic effort to get us We're heroes, really. (laughs) You guys are joining us today to talk about one of the all-time classic plastic surgery movies, Mm -hmm. Robert Zemeckis' Death Becomes Her. Oh, Nineteen ninety two. It was a simpler time. <laughs> Had you guys seen this before? Yes, we've actually yeah. covered it on a bonus Patreon episode of the Bechtel cast. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we've analyzed it from it's weird. I think we talked about like the elements of like plastic surgery, body horror in this movie, but we didn't get super deep into it. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I, this is my first time seeing it. Um, I still can't wow. believe that, Emily. Yeah. No way. How did you avoid it? 
I don't know. You know, I think it came out in this funny time when I was like too young to see it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was just not on my radar something to see when I was whatever, seven years old. And then I don't know. It just skipped me. Like I, I associated this movie for a long time with Witches of Eastwick, but I saw Witches of Eastwick before I saw this. So I don't I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, I've also been on kind of a Robert Zemeckis kick lately. Like I find his filmography to be extremely watchable mm-hmm. during the pandemic. So. At least the first half of it. I mean, his later movies get a little... Sure. What are his? Yeah. Oh, you don't I like mean, you don't. You're not a Marwin head. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Marwin, I love. It's uh, Back to the Future that I think it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm in no big hurry to rewatch Back to the Future. Watch. Oh, it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. I watch Back to the Future like once every two years. Especially, it's really fun once you have kids to introduce them to Back yeah. to the Future, um, because it's also it's one of the or like I don't know with my son I was like oh I have to wait a little you know until he's a little older to introduce this or this but I'm like back to the future it's appealing for everybody mm-hmm. uh, I fucking love that movie I think yeah. so yes. Rabbit's my favorite yeah yeah, yeah. Another good yeah. one well this because this is interesting because it comes between Roger Rabbit and Forrest Gump right yeah <laughs> which like <laughs> I don't know how you connect those dots, except that like Death Becomes Her just feels like a cartoon for adults. Like, yeah, yeah. genre. Yeah, there's a lot of movies from around this era that I feel like kind of fit into that. Like, there's this. Has anybody seen this totally like bananas, insane film called um, God, Nothing But Trouble? No. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like Wait, that. Really? It's like live action cartoons that are kind of like too risque for children. I'm shocked yeah. we didn't cover nothing but trouble and terrifying '80s prosthetics. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, what is nothing but trouble? Oh my god, I just saw it for the first time like a couple years ago because my boyfriend really loves it. It's a Dan Aykroyd <laughs> movie about a bunch of like New York yuppies getting stranded in a weird industrial East Coast town. Oh, nice. Okay, and they can't escape but there's a lot of like terrifying makeup yeah. Dan Aykroyd playing a bunch of different characters in like Nutty Professor makeup yeah. like, type sure. prosthetics grotesque and it, prosthetics and, um, and yeah. digital underground are in it oh wow it's truly yeah. it's truly a like like when I saw it I was not only like how did this get made I was just like how did I never how did no one ever say you have to see this it's so insane <laughs> I saw it very young. Like, I saw it at a slumber party or something, probably around when it came out. And I was totally baffled by it at the time. I would be interested to rewatch it. (laughs) I was terrified of Death Becomes Her when I saw it originally. Really? Yeah. I was scared of it. I Oh, I found it so creepy. And I saw (sighs) it with, like, a friend... And whose dad took us to see it, because I feel like my parents probably would have been like, it's too scary for, like, a nine-year-old, you know? Uh But... I totally was freaked out by it. It was just so... The prosthetics and makeup and special effects were just so creepy to me. This this is like my favorite era of like visual effects, I think. Because it's like it doesn't look like good but you can just tell they're doing so many different things like the, there's yeah. some you're like oh that's com- a computer you're like no that's an anim- animatronic that's, and I yeah. feel like maybe originally you weren't supposed to be able to tell but now it's very like 
clear who did well, what. I, I, like I also it. think that there was so much trial and error, it sounds like, in the filming of it where they were like, okay, we can do that with an animatronic head. And then they look at it and they're just like, no, we have to go back and do CGI. <laughs> so it sounds like it must have been a, a really interminably long shoot. And really horribly frustrating. But I love the texture of like the neck bones popping out. I love that shit. (laughs) It looks so good to me. (laughs) I think I was also unsettled as like a kid by like what this movie appeared to say about women, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm, I'm nine, but this is all (laughs) kind of It's like this what's in store for me as an adult. Like this is what all (laughs) these movies when you're a kid kind of that's the question behind them. It's like this is this what being a grown up is like? (laughs) Yeah, but I found out just reading about it yesterday that it was made basically at the same time that Zemeckis was doing Tales from the Crypt. Right. Mm. And it was sort of an idea that came out of Tales from the Crypt and was maybe originally going to just be a Tales from the Crypt episode. And that made it make a lot more sense to me because it totally feels like a 50s horror comic. Yes. Yeah. And that also makes it like it doesn't matter that they're both just really vain and sort of shallow people. It's like just a moral parable a moral tale right Right. um should we go over what exactly death becomes her is about just in case somebody (laughs) like me as of a week ago hasn't seen it yeah Um, so basically there's uh helen who's played by goldie hawn and madeline what's her last name again Madeline Madeline Ashton Ashton. who's Meryl Streep and they were childhood friends and kind of rivals so um, Goldie Hawn Helen is engaged I believe to Bruce Willis whose name in the movie is Ernest Menville um, who is a plastic surgeon they're engaged and she he is going to go meet Helen for the first time Uh, I mean, Madeline for the first time. And Helen starts twisting a napkin and she's like, he, you know, she'll steal you. She steals everything from me. And then cut to uh, Madeline and Ernest getting married and the beginning of like Goldie Hawn's total downfall where she's institutionalized, gains a million pounds and basically decides that she's going to destroy Madeline's life. And Ernest says, well, then... Eventually, you get to uh, Isabella Rossellini as a person (laughs) with a potion where if you take it, then you are always the same age, but you have to take care of your body because you can basically become like a, a living corpse. Right. Spoiler, which of course happens. And then <laughs> they end up in a battle where they they both die, but are the living dead and also have to be spray painted with like, you know, formaldehyde paint, which sticks to corpses. Which, which is very convenient because Ernest, in a, in, a, in a side part of the story, which we don't, don't see, but feels like a whole movie unto itself, becomes an alcoholic who gets like like he loses his um license or whatever to be a plastic surgeon so he has to be a reconstructive mortician yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like an undertaker <laughs> yeah so I he's love... but he's brilliant at spray painting corpses so. bruce willis is this is like the best bruce willis it's a very ever. good Ama- bruce. The, yeah. when they just let him a be, lifetime when they just <laughs> let him be a character actor he's so fun totally. yes and he's, he's so likable even in this role, you're like, I. he seems great. Like, he's such oh a hero God. in I this could, movie. I could not disagree more. I find really? him so off-putting <laughs> no. in this movie. No, I don't think so, he's great. I think like, he's so miscast. 
Oh, he seems happy. Whoa. You know, it was almost Kevin Klein. Well, that would make a oh. lot more sense. Like and this- also, Jeff Bridges, I think, auditioned and was turned down, uh, which I was oh, like, what? Weird. This is all over the map. This feels I like, like the too- degree to which Bruce Willis doesn't make sense because it does feel like a little bit like out of his lane. But I, I feel like, like that's winking. why I appreciate it. I feel like he's winking the whole time being like, isn't this cool? I'm playing a guy who's not cool. Imagine me, the coolest guy in the world. And also, they listed some names that he had suggested for the movie. (laughs) They were like, the Death Blues. (laughs) And the other one is like, Death is My Lady. (laughs) Death is My Lady. That's a good good title, though. Somebody should Uh, use that. Well, Death Becomes Her is a great title, even though I don't fully understand it. Well, it's like something that people like say, it's like a very, it feels like a very Adams Family type line. Like it is feels it like, like a, a tee up for a joke in an Adams Family movie. Is it a Robert Oppenheimer joke? Is it like, I am become death? No, it's like, it's like if you're like, looking at a beautiful corpse and you're like, oh, death becomes her. Like it, it, it like looks it's becoming oh, on her. Like I never becoming. put that together. I was yeah. like, why is oh. this movie called what it is? Okay, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I don't think it's also I am become death destroyer of worlds, but I mean, like death a little becomes bit. her. Yeah. She becomes death. Yeah. I think it works both ways. <laughs> Jamie and Caitlin, are you generally fans of this movie or not so much? I like the movie a lot, but I don't think that it, for, for the purposes of our podcast, it fares uh, not super well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. Just because yeah. the whole thing is about two <laughs> women fighting over nerdy Bruce Willis. <laughs> like that, and just like the idea, like they are presented as being so obsessed with like maintaining their youth, but like without exploring why that might be or the implications of that or anything yeah, like that. It just seem like it's their fault. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love the movie. I think it's very silly. It's a it's it gets a ten out of ten on my rompo meter. It's <laughs> a big romp. Lots of fun. Big camp energy too. Yeah, such big yeah. camp energy. It's so camp. Even if it doesn't technically pass the Bechdel test, it feels like it passes the like whatever happened to Baby Jane test. It, I mean, mm. yes, yeah. but or it's also there. Yeah. Their relationship, I find, deep enough to make up for the fact that as individuals, there's not that much depth there. Um, right. But I also, I just, I I think it's such a funny movie. And I was surprised that when it came out, it was like dinged for not being, like, I mean, at least admit that it's very funny, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. I think it also just makes people uncomfortable to think about, which is a testament to what's good about it, but also what makes it freaky. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is something about their friendship, even though they're both horrible people, like by the end when they're at his funeral and they're these two like decaying people who can only (laughs) hang out with each other. I mean, it becomes a vampire movie, basically. It's just like, we can only hang out with each other because we're the only people who have our life experience. Yeah. And we're stuck with each other. That's the fantasy, right? That like Betty and Veronica just outlive Archie to become vampires together. (laughs) (laughs) I I think when we were first covering it, I remember thinking like, I wish that we knew why they dislike each other so much earlier in the movie because I feel like you find out pretty pretty far in mm-hmm. in a way that I was like I didn't get anything extra by having that information like withheld from me for like an hour right uh but like once you understand it I feel like the the relationship like 
takes off and and feels like it makes more sense but it was just i for the first half of the movie i'm like wait why like why do they hate each other so much why will they not tell us i think i think we're just like meant to understand it as a boilerplate like female friendship as understood by men where they actually hate each other (laughs) well that's the thing is like is it supposed to be a twist that there's actually a solid reason why they don't like each other (laughs) they're just like I think Goldie Hawn's character says pretty early on that it's that how you know Madeline like takes everything from her, like yeah. steals right. all of her boyfriends and everything. But then there's that monologue, or I guess it's an exchange that's like in the last portion of the movie where you know Meryl Streep like forces Goldie Hawn to admit that she always thought she was cheap or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, say you always thought I was cheap. And I was like, okay, so I guess there are more layers to that. But stealing someone's fiance is like that's yeah. that's reason enough to that's hate a, pretty a person, big, and and like it's and him uh, or or Goldie Hawn taking Bruce Willis to see Madeline's show is sort of like presented as a test. Like it was a test. It's like right, if you can see right. her and not fall in love with her, then I know we're meant to be together. And he fails the test. So it's, it's like, like the Bechtel test, but the Madeline Ashton <laughs> test. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ashton does. Yeah, I truly, yeah. I truly hate the fat suit. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the roughest problem. part of the movie. Yeah, I yeah. hate all fat like, suits, but that to me, I think I just felt a little bit like this movie doesn't have that much respect for its characters, and you right. can feel that. It's the yeah. problem with a lot of camp for me. Uh, I feel like good camp, you 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 feel emotions about these people. It's like melodrama. This to me just feels a little bit too much. Like, yeah, like aren't women stupid? Yeah. Oh, see, I think they're compelling enough. I like the fact that you're expected to deal with like two very evil, competitive, like witchy women, and that totally. you, they take it for granted. Like, well, they're in, you know, they'll hold your attention just like two evil, witchy men would hold your attention. Right. And I do think there are moments like, I mean, I think that, that Goldie Hunt's character is like more sympathetic of the two of them, but even when Meryl Streep is like, before she goes to see Isabella Rossellini, who is also incredible. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, But when she's at the regular plastic surgeons and she's having her meltdown because she can't get like another, whatever treatment that she wants again. And you see that like, even though she's the person who like won that particular battle, like it's, it's still this just punishing kind of game. She's set herself up in where she has to continually beat herself at being young and and beautiful even though it's like against the laws of nature I don't know that feels like even though she sucks it's like you feel bad for somebody who's opted into that Um, yeah and it's good that they're both so blatantly unlikable you know I'm not saying I want them to be softened necessarily or have some moment where it's like oh they're real people yeah. I would just like it, more detail about their background and friendship. You yeah. want the series. You want the <laughs> Netflix series. I definitely think it like works more for me like if I reframe it in my head as like a class commentary than as uh, like sure when, yeah. how women relate to it. Like uh, from a like yeah, from a feminist it's hard it's hard to make an argument for it, but from a class standpoint I I feel like that's like an easier pill for me to swallow of like what the intent might have Ben, yeah, but I don't know. It's sort of yada yada how Goldie Hawn 
has the means to have her come up because right. it's supposed to be like exorbitantly expensive to do. No, because Goldie Hawn's character became a best-selling author and but that's that? only after she took I the it- potion, right? I, she said that she gave everything. Well, I think in the original, I went like really too deep on trying to find out. <laughs> the mythos. Yeah. In the original <laughs> script, I think that they were both like semi, I might be making up that they were semi, both semi wealthy, but they met at Radcliffe as opposed to being childhood friends. So I assumed okay. they had like family money and then um, Goldie Hawn spent it all adjust for inflation because Goldie Hawn got it much earlier, of course, than Meryl Streep. Uh, yeah. And so it was less, but she gave up everything then that gave her the juice to like you know basically try and earn it all back by exploiting the fact that she looks great and writing books about it yeah i mean i justify everything in this movie (laughs) the funniest thing about this movie is how much of the transformation between when they're like old and ugly and like young and beautiful again is just makeup and wardrobe right well aren't they just going to like present day goldie hawn and meryl streep because like they're supposed to be older in it I think so, right? That's it. Right. It looked like that was how they looked then, right? Well, I, don't I also know. feel like Meryl Streep always looks the same, so who knows? Like, she was <laughs> apparently 43 when she made this. I think Goldie Hawn was about 50. She was, Goldie Hawn was 46. 46. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's but, funny because I watched Shampoo last night and, like, accidentally kind of had a, a Goldie Hawn back to back. Like, <laughs> and it was very enlightening. She's, but yeah. She's the best. She's I so love good. Goldie Hawn. I love She's her. Great. I think um, this is the most like quintessential plastic surgery movie though. I was so happy that we were watching it because I was like, you know, I'd also, I watched Face Off, which we're going to tackle at some point too. Mm. And those are the two that I always think of for plastic surgery. Yeah. Um, but this one, like the entire movie is just such a great way of summing up like you know the the real horror of like taking off your face and pulling it putting it back on I mean I think it just really maybe that's why I love it so much is because I'm so uncomfortable with the idea of plastic surgery that I feel like (laughs) this is the movie for that you know this makes it as horrifying as it ought to be yeah yeah I mean and it's like so clear in the movie that like they're not doing it for themselves necessarily like it's yeah. for both of them it's a survival move rather than like this is what how I want my body to look just because yeah it's like a socioeconomic strategy yeah, rather yeah for Madeline it's like part of her career like yeah, you see right. the opening scene of like people walking out of the theater of like whatever stage production she's doing and people are like oh she's so old what a ancient witch I'm yeah. looking at on stage and it's like what are you talking about she's like in her 40s but um right. I think what like one of the big conversations that we had had about it on the episode we did was and we already kind of touched on this but um it's a movie like written and directed by men and it's like just their idea of like well women are always competing against each other and women are obsessed with being young or like maintaining youthful looks we have no idea why that might be but let's make a movie about it and it's like well it's because you as men have foisted this unrealistic standard of beauty on women that like if we don't try to maintain then we're like ostracized and ridiculed and all this stuff but like men never seem to because there's so many there's quite a few movies about this and like men they the male filmmakers who are usually making these movies like never think to look a little further beyond like 
why might women be so obsessed with like trying like getting plastic surgery wearing makeup spending so much time on like getting ready and looking good and it's like well it's because of you and your standards we'll take a quick break and be right back Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. I do think that there's something somewhat... I, I won't say that it makes up for that because that's something that you know you just can't get away from in the film. But I think that the fact that Bruce Willis, and especially the fact that it's Bruce Willis in it, is like just such a putz and so <laughs> undesirable. And so it has nothing to do with like trying to get somebody hot. Like it's like there's right. that's like feels very intentional. That there's this huge injustice that he doesn't have to keep himself up at all. He just looks horrible and and like is just becoming a miserable alcoholic. And meanwhile, the two women in his life are just like literally killing themselves to stay, you know, uh, I don't know, viable as, as romantic interests. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like the absurdity of that is writ very large in it. There could be a really good remake of this about influencers. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Um, I would love to see the like build a body trend taken on in a similar <laughs> horrorcore fashion with yeah. animatronics still. <laughs> oh, totally! All practical sure. effects. Yeah, um, but but digital uh, touching up. Of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you guys? So we're we're doing this as a, in the middle of our plastic surgery month. Uh, 
do you guys have any particular um, thoughts or feelings about the plastic surgery industrial complex related to this film or otherwise, uh, or or perhaps inspired by this film? Oh man, <laughs> Caitlin, do you want to go first? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, I suppose I have a complicated and ever evolving stance on plastic surgery. Uh, I've not had any done myself. I don't know that I ever would consider it. Um, but I also, um, you know, uh, am 33. And maybe when I'm like 20 years from now, I'm like, oh, I'm going to want a tightening or something. I don't know. Who knows? Um, we'll all be dead in 30 years. So who cares? Um, <laughs> you can save the money if you wait that right. long. Um, <laughs> so... And, and for, for the longest time, I was like, no, plastic surgery is horrible. You should just accept the way you were born and like, da, da, da. But now I'm like, well, whatever. It's your body, your choice. Like if you want to like have a procedure and you're like responsible about like spending your money. And if like, yeah. I don't know, it's like do whatever you want to do. It's your yeah. body. I grew up like I grew up very pro plastic surgery, even though no one in my family could afford it. But like we were all like. I don't know, but yeah, I have a weird relationship with it as well. I'm like, I, I anyone should do whatever they want to do with their body, um, but then it's, but then like the reason my mom always wanted plastic surgery was for like very like reasons connected to her own insecurities and was like very forthcoming about that. So I feel weird. About, I mean, it's like I also would probably do it if I felt so like if I had the resources and felt like this is something that like would make me feel a certain way and I and I can get past the body horror element which I'm not sure if I could <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah I don't know my mom used to like I don't know why we were so pro but like she she would always like say that like famous share quote to us when we were like preteens and about like your boobs on your back, like that quote. Oh my um, god! Wait, really? I don't know about this. Yeah. What's this Look quote? It oh, it's this famous share quote that she said. Where I think it was when people were giving her like like peak people giving share shit about um, her plastic surgeries, and she just like yelled at a reporter that she can put her boobs on her back if she wants, and no one can give her shit about it. And I guess <laughs> that really resonated with my mom because it was a quote I heard over and over and over when I was a kid, and so. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm like, I think yeah. I'm generally pro, but I also like every time I feel like, oh, if I look, I, I try to at least interrogate what about it is making me feel that way. But in the end, I don't know. I'm pro, I think. Yeah. I'm scared I would, of it. I don't know what I would do if I had been brought up with somebody who was at all pro it because I was not. Hmm. So I think like all of the attitudes I have about it are kind of like evolved out of that. Totally. In rebellion or otherwise, um, or just shaded by that. But, um, but I, I, I mean, I have plenty of friends who like, especially people who grew up around here too, where it's just like mm -hmm. much more normalized. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it's, it, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like kind of also the culture in which you're growing up. Totally. Um, I yeah. found the quote, by the way, if oh, anyone yes, wants me to share. Tits on my back, not boobs. Yes, I guess my I, mom edited the quote for us. <laughs> <laughs> She, she made it, it PG. <laughs> it is, uh, if I want to put my tits on my back, it's nobody's business but my own. Yeah. I Yeah, I remember that very clearly. That's funny that my mom edited it. <laughs> That's like the part that needed to be edited for yeah, the yeah. children. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think like we... 
it was like an aspirational, like the idea of being able to get plastic surgery was like an aspirational concept in yeah. our household. And so stuff like that was um, yeah. very inspiring to the group. I see. I think that. I think the Dolly quote is always the one that resonates with me where it's like it costs a lot of money to look this cheap like because then it kind of divorces it or it's like a rejection of the idea that it is uh, like a a status symbol or like an economic status symbol Mm -hmm. that it's just sort of like a expression a personal expression yeah she was always saying though that she wanted to look like the like the prostitutes in her town who she thought were like the most beautiful women in the world Mm. which is like i don't know it's just like cool bring your own values to it like whatever it doesn't need to be about one particular ideal that you're trying to replicate um that's sort of the wiggle room i find with that uh (laughs) i don't know I just always think about there were these MTV True Life episodes about people getting plastic surgery and they were about just like regular people who had like saved up their whole life to get some plastic surgery and then they would get it and they would like still not be happy with themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was always the message was like there was the calf implants guy that they then used on an entourage plot line but it was like once he got calf implants, then he was like, now I want to get pec implants. It's just like, it sort of starts a chain, it feels like, of like, yeah. well, if I did this one thing, what else can I do? And you yeah. see, especially with rich people, that there's like a slippery slope of like, just doing everything on the table because you're get, being given access to it, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what I right. think Death Becomes Her is also good about. It's like, right get if you start going down this road it is a commitment and you can't just like undo it you have yeah. to put in maintenance it's yeah you've opted into a lifestyle and a certain kind of like yeah personal maintenance thing and i feel like you know it i think it's shorthand in the film but like the fact that it takes place in beverly hills is just sort of a way to say like yes like everybody around them is doing this mm. this is just sort of the way it is one of my favorite things about the the fact that it's like they're underlining so much the Beverly Hillsness of it is the yeah. hospital is like the hospital <gasps> the, of Beverly oh, Hills. That's what I wanted to do for our our where we were this episode. Oh, it's the like hospital it's, to Beverly Hills. The hospital to Be- and it's like de- decked out like the um, Beverly Hills Hotel. It's it like has the, the signature. Yeah. The signature wallpaper is the the hospital curtains, yeah. and I only yeah. know that signature wallpaper because I am friendly with a real estate agent who posted um, a listing the other day and I was like that looks fancy and I clicked it and I saw that it had like this you know kind of banana leaf wallpaper and I was like who has that wallpaper that I know and then I was like no it's no one you know it's pictures <laughs> of the Beverly Hills Hotel the pink seen. hotel it's yeah. signature it has like a name but I forget what the name is that yeah. kind of wallpaper um, and then there's like pink trim around the, yeah. the doors of the hospital and yeah everything. it's like a pink hospital it's it's yeah. incredible it's like a Barbie hospital <laughs> it's great it's a great Chef's detail kiss to that <laughs> yeah they also they seemed to be at different points dressing like i just because i was going into it with like a robert zemeckis mindset he seemed to be like dressing goldie hawn up like exactly like jessica rabbit at one point or, <laughs> yeah. like, this yes, like, a totally. mistake. <gasps> like is yeah. this are you referencing yourself like well he does reference himself does. in a he different does. moment and here's oh, what really? it is so um goldie hawn 
says the exact date that she took the potion, and it's October 26, 1985. Oh, and shit. if you know Back what? to the Future, to you the know future. that that's the temporal oh. junction point of the space-time continuum. What? That's yep. fun. I, mm-hmm. Man, I like that he's mm-hmm. building a secret extended universe for nobody. <laughs> I love that. Nice. I love that. No, I mean, uh, this, this movie is very cartoony. It's very also like a Tex Avery cartoon, the way that Jessica yes. Rabbit is, for sure. That yeah. is the best thing about it and i watched this back to back with birds of prey which i know you guys are going to talk about also oh, yeah. just like love just people getting bopped on the head sometimes <laughs> just uh, love the, the two stair falls where there's like 10 oh, seconds yeah. of somebody just like waving their arms and trying <laughs> to find so many stairs, stairs. <laughs> so good yeah the pratt falls are great i mean that's the thing too yeah. it's like how many movies are there that are just like a comedy starring two women just doing a lot of physical comedy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that the silliness of it is sort of, it's, it's like saving grace. Cause it's, you know, you can, you can ding it however you want for, um, not maybe being as its perspective being a little stunted as far as, you know, women's relationships with each other, women's relationships to beauty, but it's also just like such a farce that, yeah. And that's kind of and the, the and the, the degree to which it's a farce is like so I think especially for the time, like technically well done that mm-hmm. it's, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it really does feel like it takes place in the same universe as Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I also, also really love. There's also the point to be made that when the women fall down the stairs, they fall and they hit every single stair and break their bodies into like these broken, you know, marionette things at the bottom. But then when Bruce Willis throws himself, he tries to kind of throw himself down the stairs of this like, you know, I, I don't know actually if it's great if it was shot at Greystone or where it this was. was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He throws himself off intending to kill himself and instead he falls like through a ceiling and into a pool and survives and it's you know it's like the whole thing is he's yeah like Emily said he's just a putz he's like they make fun of him constantly as being just a loser and he's being fought over by like two much more interesting women who then like they fall down the stairs and they get like totally destroyed but he he tries to throw himself (laughs) down the stairs nothing happens to him he's like invincible yeah (laughs) do you think a lot of people when they saw this movie for the first time came out of it like shipping Goldie and Meryl's characters a hundred percent well it's like a big like lgbt classic it's like a huge like drag queen and there's so many good drag interpretations of oh yeah yeah Yeah. the genre that uh whatever happened to baby jane is that tess and i just both always are obsessed with it's called psycho bitty love psycho (laughs) (laughs) i love that phrase okay it's the best it's movies about it's like horror movies about the societal like fear of older women and there's a bunch of them from the 70s made by the person who made whatever happened to baby jane yeah Mm -hmm. uh a lot of them are called like who slew aunt rue um (laughs) (laughs) what's that one the helen one oh what's the matter with helen what's the matter with helen what's the matter with helen is so good questions (laughs) is that a sequel (laughs) to Check out What's the Matter with Helen. It involves Shelley Winters and a uh, tap dance school for children. (gasps) So intense. It's really intense. Is that a sequel to Death Becomes Her? Because her name is also Helen. It's true. But it's just, you know, like I love that genre because it is like, oh, these these characters are actually like the most interesting people in the world. I mean, in a way, that's Mm. also what I enjoy about The Real Housewives. Right. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Which is like, 
and it's like at the end of the day, even though they're terrible and these are like and, and the same with housewives, it's like this sort of kind of terrible representation of women that's put out by men. Uh, it's still like their rage at the end of the day and their like yeah. kind of bitterness and anger towards the world feels very earned. Yeah, yeah, and and in the Real Housewives of New York, especially, it's like a lot of them were married when the show started out, but now they're all single, and they all (laughs) hate being single, but they're all stuck with each other in that way, where they're like, okay, we're a bunch of, we're like five single women in our 60s, out, and then when they meet a man, they all just like trash each other over him. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that my biggest actual complaint with the movie, as far as like what it's saying or whatever, is just that... Ernest, Bruce Willis's character, is the only person to, of the main characters that we know to, like, resist the lure of the potion, which yeah. is just, like, I don't feel like he would. I feel like he's such a, like, why is he the person to be like, no, I want to have a great life and <laughs> and die naturally and, you know, I don't care about being young forever. Like, so it really puts it on the women for having these expectations for what they're supposed to you know what their life is supposed to look like Uh, but at the same time like they found the potion of their own volition but he they like hit him on the head and dragged him (laughs) into the place to like try and give him the potion (laughs) (laughs) they just want to keep him around as their like forever undertaker yeah they need him as a a cosmetologist yeah oh this is my other question about the 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 kind of the way that everything works with the potion is it are they only having their problems because they did kind of die? Yeah, basically? and then they... So you notice when Goldie Hawn is, is shot in the stomach yeah. that she goes into the into the fountain and there's blood everywhere. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Madeline. When he's like trying to fix up Madeline, there's a big bucket of something that's supposed to be her blood. And I guess the deal is, is that your body is like kind of preserved as if alive, like you're basically yeah. alive. But if you die, then your blood drains out and like the injuries that you sustain can't yeah. really heal. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, they were only really dead after they after they got shot yeah or after, yeah killed yeah. because yeah isabella rossellini's character seem she's like i'm 70 years old and she looks very youthful yeah and i guess the idea is that she hasn't died right <laughs> nor has marilyn <laughs> or elvis or all the people right that's why she said take good care of your body right you'll have Which it basically means time. don't die yeah. like and I guess die. It, <laughs> apparently in one draft she was going to be cleopatra which is why there's residual ancient egyptian stuff oh, oh, that makes so much yeah. sense yeah. okay i was wondering that uh, that's yeah. great but um, I, of course who wouldn't throw Bruce Willis away so they could go live with Isabella Rossellini forever. (laughs) Yeah. She seems to have the best life of anybody. She has Fabio as her bodyguard. She has Tom, Dick, and Harry are her bodyguards, which is like... (laughs) Well, there's some interesting naming conventions, I suppose, in this movie because it's Helen and Madeline, but they nickname each other Hell and mad and yeah. then the man's name <laughs> right, is like, okay got it Ma- it's because if you put them all together I read this in the IMDB trivia it's madder and hell madder than hell uh, mad urn hell uh huh interesting I told you guys I, I was like I love this movie I'm gonna read everything I can about this movie <laughs> this is well, like when a 
I feel like that whole genre of like anything that has like a fear of like something going on with a woman's body in it in any way, it's like all really like reclaimable stuff is like the good yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, well, the matter and health thing also just feels like it backs up my idea that this is about female rage more than anything else. Like, mm-hmm. and that it's, 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 it comes through in the form of these um, drastic cosmetic procedures and or potions. But it's also just about how like fundamentally furious these women are with, you know, what the world is for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Which is like kind of why it's fun. I like that read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you guys mm-hmm. like She Devil? I have not seen. Never seen She Devil. What? That's the other like Meryl Streep versus Roseanne, uh, and Meryl Streep plays another ridiculous woman in it very well. She plays like a famous romance novelist. Oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and she ruins Roseanne's life, and then Roseanne comes to get revenge. Mm, hell yeah! <laughs> Wait, when did that come out? late 80s or early 90s I think it was like Roseanne's first and probably only movie but they used to show it on Comedy Central it was always on Comedy Central apparently Death Becomes Her had an ending a theatrical ending that they didn't like in the screenings Uh and changed where Bruce ends up with Tracy Ullman and they run over Madeline and uh, Goldie Hawn with a car and like have a happy ending and everybody hated it. So they were like, okay, we have to yeah, have Yeah, I can ending. see why. Oh, yeah, that was a terrible <laughs> ending. Yeah. yeah. I like them outliving him, even if it's to be miserable and to fall down some stairs. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I like the ending pieces. a lot. Yeah. The, ending yeah. Is fun. <laughs> the ending is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a true tale of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's like, it's a little bit like ab fab. Yes, like- absolutely. No, it's huge <laughs> ab fab vibes. Um, it's like kind of it's just, it's like ready made to be captioned. Like you screen grab it and, s- and send it to your best friend and be like us in fifty years, you know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we great. have been talking a lot about which rich people are rich enough to keep getting injections right now versus Ooh. everybody else who is going to just deflate in this time period. Are they just doing like home calls? Like, I wonder what the system is. Well, I'm Madonna sure. has somebody on staff pictured oh. in a video. <sighs> Uh, and I um, imagine the Kardashians probably have some doctor who's like chained Someone to a wall. Someone like, lives <laughs> under the stairs, Harry Potter style. Yeah. Comes out and gives trapped, trapped in their basement. <laughs> but you have to imagine there's a lot of like B-tier influencers who are just going to have to let people see what their real lips, lips look like now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gonna, everybody has to like bank all their photos in the first month of quarantine and then let them out for the next several months or maybe all the influencers will have to pivot and then be like actually i'm body positive now yeah like they'll have to be like we're all the real me i'm doing this (laughs) because i want to not because it's happening to me kim zolciak's daughter took her lip injections out and did that recently she was like i'm gonna like going back to the real me um, and then she like immediately put them back in. <laughs> How, do they dissolve? You don't like take them out. I'm no, revealing my to, ignorance. You dissolve them, it's, right? It's uh, uh-huh. water. 
you basically inject oh. them with water. I just pictured someone like peeling open their lips and being like plop and taking out Ooh. an implant and yeah. Or wait, See, no, this is why I can't deal with plastic surgery. No, that's like, all it is. To sorry, me. I want to just fact check myself. It's not water. You're it turns to water. There's a there's a some kind of solvent that you inject uh. into the injection and it turns it into water. It's just reabsorbed by your body. Yeah, okay. weird. It's so natural. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Um, I knew too much about these things. It's um, your body. Your body's cleansing itself. <laughs> yes, your body's cleansing itself <laughs> during COVID. Um, well, thank you so much for coming by, you guys, and for talking oh, about for this movie us. with us. This was so fun. Yeah, um, thanks for having us. Where, where can, can you- uh, oh, Jinx? Personal Jenks, you owe me a Coke. Where can everybody <laughs> find you guys on the internet? Uh, Go for it, can, Jamie. You can find us uh, at Bechdelcast on all the platforms. Our new episodes drop Thursdays. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help. You have a Patreon as well, guys, right? We do. Yes. yes. We do. Excellent. And that's where our Death Becomes Her episode is. Yeah. So if yeah. anyone is interested in checking that out, it's just a cheap five bucks a month, you know. A steal. Um, <laughs> it's a bargain. <laughs> um, and then um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin Durante. Hey. Awesome. Yeah, we love Bechdel Cast. Great podcast. Hey. Unessential listen. Thank you so much for listening to Night Call. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media at Night Call Pod on Twitter, Night Call Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And if you want to support the podcast, we are at patreon.com slash nightcall, where you can subscribe and get bonus episodes, our newsletter, merch, a whole bunch of fun stuff. So check that out. We'll be back next week. And uh, plastic surgery April continues apace. still searching for your perfect place to call home well now is the time to buy at fisher homes if you're looking to move in before the end of 2024 may could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end if you're hoping to move in even sooner fisher homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you where you can start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.